Hey everyone, welcome to the Live Ride Learn podcast. This is your host, Sarah Higner, and we are taking a break this week from our uh, thing that we've been doing. We've been reading through Finding Gideon. So if you are anxiously awaiting the next chapter, you will have to tune in to the next episode. I apologize for the delay, but um, if you've been listening, you know that Silas has been sick. And for the last couple of episodes, I've asked for prayers. And so this episode is, is about Silas and, um, and about that journey. And so it's really, we're going back to live, ride, learn roots, the me telling stories and the lessons that I've learned from it. Um, but I just want to first say, thank you so much for your prayers. It has been a really hard journey and, and I can feel your prayers. And yesterday was really hard, um, which I'll explain in a minute. But anyway, just thank you. I can tell like God is working in me and giving me a peace that I can't explain. And I know it's because I have so many people praying for me. So thank you. I truly appreciate it. I'm looking at a bouquet of flowers right now that my friend sent me that just broke me in the best way yesterday. So anyway, okay, let's get going this. Oh, before we get going. Um, also I'm like totally not editing this. So a lot of times I'll edit out ums and awkward pauses. I don't edit out all the ums because I want to sound normal. It's normal to say, um, but sometimes I say it too many times. So I also tend to edit out really long pauses because I want to keep the episode moving, but I'm not, I have no desire to re-listen to this for a while because it's going to be hard for me to even say much less listen to. Um, okay. So here we go. Oh, I also tend to edit out gross nose noises and stuff. Oh, I hate mouth noises, y'all. I hate them. So I edit out the sniffling and the mouth noises because they're disgusting, um, but I'm not doing it. So I apologize in advance, but not really. Suck it up. Oh, okay. Here we go. So Silas. Um, So just to start out, he, yesterday, he, uh, like, I don't even like to say it y'all, but he's gone. He, he's with Gideon now, which if you've listened, you know, Gideon was my last horse. He was my, Gideon was my heart horse. And so, you know, whenever it's time to say goodbye to something, I don't know about you, but I'm always just so overwhelmed by the lessons and the, the gifts from that person or horse being in my life. And so Silas and our journey was never an easy one. And it was never this beautiful, I shouldn't say never, but it, it was rarely this beautiful thing that you think it is when you see my pictures on Instagram and my videos and things. Uh, when I got him, I actually got him because, so I had before, before Gideon even died. Okay. I actually love the story before Gideon even died. Uh, he Gideon had been retired and I was actually in, there was this two week period where I knew I was going to put him down and I was saying goodbye. And during no, wait, before that two week period, I'm sorry. I'll see. I should edit this part out before that two week period we had in Northern Virginia, what we still refer to as snowmageddon. It was like 
we had these, this day of epic snowfall. And then like a few days later, we had another one. And so it was, the snow drifts were huge. Mississippi girl here was just blown away. When I was turning horses out, I, at the barn that I worked at, I would ride the horses because literally the snow was like at my shoulders. And I was nervous that I was just going to get plowed over by excited horses. And so I would ride one of the horses so that they couldn't run over me. And I would lead the other ones from the back of the first one because the snow was so high. So anyway, during like that second snow was coming and we all knew, like we knew we were, we should actually listen, you know, cause the first time the weather forecaster said all the snow was coming and we didn't believe them because we've never heard of such a thing. I mean, come on, like people say stuff like this all the time, but it never actually happens. And so when it actually happened the first time, then we thought, oh, dang, we need to listen this time. Oh, and the first time like cars were getting stuck on the beltway, people literally spent the night in their cars because the snow came so fast that the trucks couldn't keep up. And it was during five o'clock traffic and literally people slept in their cars. It was insane. So that had happened. And we knew when the weather guy said snowmageddon is coming, we needed to listen. So the weather guy says snowmageddon is coming. We are all locked down in our houses. And Caitlin calls me and like me and Caitlin don't talk on the phone that much because we just see each other at the barn. Right. So she calls me and I'm like, Hey, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm driving to get this horse on the other side of the mountain. Well, in Northern Virginia, you know, we're at the edge of the Blue Ridge Mountains. And so um, one of the, like, about, I don't know, 40 miles from my house is a mountain. And on the other side of it, like when you cross the mountain, the weather is different. There's farms over there. We go to horse shows at, it's like, I don't know, an hour from my house. Um, But she's like, I'm going to the other side of the mountain. This girl is being kicked. Her horse is being kicked out of the farm. She lost her job. She has to move the horse today. So I'm going to get it and I'm bringing it to my barn. And I was like, well, that's crazy. I can't believe you're on the road with a horse trailer. Everyone is hiding in their houses right now. And you're literally on the road with a horse trailer. You're crazy. And she laughed and she's like, I know I'm just helping somebody. So anyway, she brings this horse to the farm. Well, within a few weeks, I get the news about Gideon, make the decision. I have the two week period where I'm saying goodbye. And all this time I keep seeing this little bay horse out in the field and he wasn't very cute (laughs) and he was cribbing on the fence the whole time. And so I said goodbye to Gideon. And, um, then I, I ship a horse up from Florida to look at, because I'm like, you know what, I'm going to get myself a nice show horse. And I was riding with this trainer and she had a horse in Florida and she said, you need to see this horse. And it rode on a shipping van with an Olympian. I got to meet an Olympic rider because this horse rode up with him. And I tried the horse for a few days and y'all, he just, he was a turd. He he charged at Sandy, my dog. And if you know me, you know, if you mess with Sandy, you were out. Okay. And so he charged at Sandy. I never got like a great feeling about him. And I remember just standing, like I would sit on a bucket in front of him and stare at his legs. Cause they just didn't look, I'm not the best at seeing a horse's confirmation, but I knew they didn't look right. And, and then when he charged at Sandy, I was like, you know, I'm, I think I'm out, I'm done. And it was awful. Cause I had paid all this money to ship it from Florida And I said, in this whole time, that little bay in the field, he, his owner had, um, had to move home and she was like, I can't take the horse anymore. I can't take care of it. It, And she basically abandoned it. Not like, like she was in full communication. She didn't just disappear, but she's like, I'm not, I can't pay for him. Do we want? And so 
Caitlin had this horse in her field. And so this whole time I'm thinking I should just look at that little horse in the field because this horse doesn't feel right. And so the day before I did the vetting on the horse from Florida, which a vetting is very expensive. So it was like, it's a commitment because if he passes the vet, I'm not spending this much and then not taking it. I was like, let me just try that horse out in the field. So Caitlin went and got the little horse in the field, or maybe I went and got him. I think I went and got him anyway. And um, he literally just was starving himself. He's sitting on the fence cribbing all day. And he had turned himself and he like, he's in this big, beautiful field of grass. And he had turned himself into a rack of bones, even though all the other horses out there are fat because he just cribbed all day. But I went, I, she brought him up and I got on him and he was perfect. I mean, to be completely out of shape, he did exactly what I asked. He was such a doll. He was only five. Um, the girl who had had him had worked with him some, but I mean, to be a five-year-old, he was just so well-behaved. He moved really well. Caitlin's husband, who's really good with horses, watched him go. And he was like, he moves really nice. He's looks, he's very well put together. You should, uh, like I recommend him. And so I was like, you know what? I'm getting this horse. And so I just knew like that horse needed a mom and I needed a horse. And even though it was not the fancy show horse that I dreamed of, he was, he just, it felt right. Everything felt right. And I really felt like that horse was put out in that field for me for a point when I would need a horse and he would need a mom. And so that was it. And his name, he already had his name and it was Silas. And I thought how fitting because I love giving my horses Bible names and I had had Gideon and then I had Silas. And so, um, I took Silas to a couple shows. We were having fun. He had quite the stubborn streak. Um, like I've never seen a stubborn streak. We've had like, there was one time, this was just a couple years ago where he just refused to get on the trailer, like absolutely refused to get on the horse trailer. I spent an hour and a half trying to get him on the horse trailer and we had somewhere we had to be. And like some days this horse would just walk right up onto the trailer and some days he wouldn't. And literally spent an hour and a half. And I finally just had to put him in the stall and go get another horse. (laughs) So, um, he also could buck like his buck was very, he wasn't a twisty horse. Let's say that. So his buck was like riding like a bouncy ball. It was very unnerving. You felt like you were just, he rounded really well. And you're just like on the top of this gigantic springing ball leaping into the air. And it was so scary, but because he didn't, buck, I mean, because he didn't twist when he bucked, he never got me off. Um, and so this was Silas. He was just, you know, he was so good in so many ways, but he still was just going to do a lot of things his way. And uh, for the first few months, another thing, <laughs> he was super passive aggressive. And, uh, you know, I had Gideon who was just a lovey dovey. He was a lover. Like he hugged me and he would get in my face, but not rudely in my face. And he wanted to be near me all the time. And we just had this connection, right? And me, an instant connection, which you can read about in finding Gideon. Actually, it was, I think the last episode was when we met Gideon. Okay. So I went from that to a horse who, when he was standing in the cross ties, he'd be standing there, right? And he would just kind of like move his foot to the side, right where my foot had just been. Like he was constantly trying to passive aggressively step on my feet. (laughs) And he made it look so casual. 
And I thankfully have a pretty good awareness of where horses feet are all the time, because you learn that when you're around them a lot, if you want to keep your toes and he would literally try to nonchalantly step on my feet all the time. And so for the first couple months, I was constantly yelling at him and like, Silas, stop it. And I sounded like a crazy person because I was always yelling at the horse who appeared to just be standing quietly in the cross ties. But what people didn't, couldn't see was how he discreetly tried to step on my foot <laughs> regularly. Um, and so we had just such this tough phase of getting to know each other. And then he somehow dropped a stall door on his back leg. I don't know how he did it. Ended up on stall rest the whole time I was pregnant with JJ. And that stall rest led to back problems um, that we then had literally for a decade. Um, I would get him healed up. He would feel good. And then I would start jumping him again and then it would fall apart. He would, and then he would start having back issues again. So I would do a show. Um, I do some lessons. I do a show, then his back would start hurting. And then it would be like a whole year or more before I could do another show or clinic. So that was really, I would say the hardest part was learning was, was that like, I had dreams and this horse y'all could jump. Oh, he was so fine. I'll post the picture. Um, he could jump the moon. And so it was like having this dream horse that could do everything that I want. And he was really ended up, he was such a good horse, even though I made him sound terrible just now. Um, he challenged me. He never just gave me anything, but if I asked correctly, he would do what I asked. (laughs) quite a lesson. Like if I actually did things correctly, he would do it. Um, but if I didn't do it correctly, he would not do it. So, um, anyway, he taught me so much and I have such a really talented jumper who was constantly hurt was hard, uh, really hard. So anyway, so then fast forward through all of that this summer, I leased him to a teenager which was a whole other thing. And when I got him back and I, this is, it's not related, but I got him back and he was living in the field at Caitlin's. Um, and he, I noticed like I went out to catch him and he would be breathing hard. I would ride. I remember riding him. So I, okay, wait, first I took him on this Fox hunt. The day I got him back, I took him on a Fox hunting trail ride. And so the Fox hunting trail ride is designed to get your horse ready for Fox hunting season. And I had done a couple of them, And normally it's, they were originally intended for training horses. So you just walk and it's taking them out on hunt territory, but horse hunt horses can get really excited and they just want to like run all the time because you do a lot of running when you fox hunt. And so they originally intended these to break green horses in and to teach the seasoned horses that we do walk sometimes. And so it teaches them not to just be dragons. Um, But then there's a group And I, so I've been to a couple of the walking ones and they were lovely, a little boring, but lovely and perfect for training though. And like, I took Danny to one and, um, but there's a group that got tired of walking and they call themselves the defectors. And so the day that I got Silas back from the teenager, I said, you know what? I'm going to take him to the fox hunting trail ride and I'm going to ride with the defectors. And I've never done that. Like I, I've never been one to be crazy because as mentioned before, this horse can buck and he can get really naughty. And if you run some horses too much, they just act like idiots all the time. And I'm, 
uh, try to be careful to not turn my horses into idiots because I want to enjoy riding them and not have to be like jumping around everywhere I go. And so, but this time, like, I remember I got there and I was late because I had come all the way from Reston and my friend and I, the defectors start to go and I like leap on and I'm following the defectors. And my friend said, Sarah, wait, you're going with the wrong group. And I was like, no, I'm doing this today. And I rode with the defectors and me and Silas had the most fun. And I mean, at first I think it felt like he was shocked. Like, are you really letting me gallop? Like, and I was like, yes. Like he didn't believe it at first. Like he kind of like held back and he acted like he might buck because he went ahead and expected me to say no. And then I was like, yes, we're doing this. And we had so much fun and we galloped and we galloped and we jumped and we, he, whenever it was time to stop, he stopped and he behaved perfectly and he was just so good. And we had so much fun. And then, uh, and then the next time I rode him at, on the trails at Caitlin's, he was breathing really hard at a walk. And I just remember thinking, hmm, that's weird. And, and I thought, I hope I didn't like break his wind, which is like a thing. You can mess up their, their lungs from pushing them too hard, which I was like, there's no way I push him too hard at the fox hunt, but who knows? And then I would like go get him from the field and he'd be breathing hard just from walking in from the field. And then I thought it must be his vitamin E. And then I got this great idea. I'm going to start teaching lessons in. Vienna, which is close to my house. So I was like, I'll move him to Vienna and he probably just needs his vitamin E again. Cause when he's living in the field, he wasn't getting fed every day. Cause like, that's just the field board situation there. Horses don't get fed unless you go out and feed it yourself. And so there's lots of grass and stuff. I mean, they have what they need, but he needed anyway. So I was like, I'll move him to Vienna and I'll take good care of him. And he'll be able to get his vitamins. And that's all this is. He just needs his vitamins. So I moved him to Vienna and he just, just kept going. Like he would have some really good days and I would forget that I'd ever heard the weird breathing thing and we would canter around and he was just so good. And I got to give one of my friends, gave one whole lesson to my friend. And, um, but then like the next day I would lead him in from the field, literally walking across one acre and he was huffing and puffing. Like he just couldn't breathe. And then I noticed his muscles and his started to like disappear and like he was getting skinny and he would just sit around and breathe hard. And, and then when he walked, he kind of would like sway when he walked sometimes. And so then began this whole process of trying to fix Silas and figure out what's wrong. And I treated for a couple with, for multiple diseases and we tested for diseases and and all the time, like it just wasn't working and he was just getting worse, but it was this weird thing because it would come and go like his body kind of like he, we just had these episodes where it would come for like a week where he just couldn't breathe and he could barely walk. And I would think, what am I doing? I should just put this horse down. This is cruel. And then, and then like one day, like I literally, I had the vet coming out and I thought, I think I'm just going to have to put him down. And we got there and he was back to normal. It had gone away. And I mean, he was skinny because he didn't eat much during that whole time. And he would, so he would just like drastically lose weight. And then, and then between the episodes, he would start to feel better and he would eat more and he would start to fill out a little bit. And just when I thought, okay, it's fine. I've got him back. We're good. It would happen again. And so it's been happening for months and right before Christmas, um, I had blood work done that just, 
wasn't good. The answers were not good. And it was the day before Christmas Eve. And I just remember crying. Oh, no, here it goes. No, I'm probably going to cry. I cried a lot. And then I said, you know, what? before I make a final decision, I'm going to get a second opinion. And so I got a second opinion while I was home. They went out to the barn. They pulled more blood, did more tests. And so the whole trip home over Christmas, I just said, I'm just going to wait. I'm not going to stress about this. We're just going to see what happens with this other thing. And so on the way home from my trip, I got the call that the thing that they had been looking at was fine. It is not whatever that was. And it was, which they thought it might be just really low vitamin E. And so anyway, we, we couldn't figure it out. And I was like, you know, I just have to call it like, that's all this. I mean, it's not fair to him. It's not fair to me. It's whatever it is, is probably something like cancer or something that's like deep inside of him. And so, um, I gave him a week at Caitlin's at that point, he had been living in Vienna, uh, close to me, which was such a gift. I mean, at first I was like, really God, really? Um, and I, I had gone out and prayed about it y'all. And I just really felt like God had said to have faith. And so I was like, okay, I don't know. Faith is not an answer of, do I put him down or not? But it's, um, you know, I had been so stressed. Like I, I just remember crying. Oh, this is hard. I say, God, I'm afraid to have to put him down. I'm afraid to have to keep him because keeping him just felt like this really hard roller coaster. And I was like, I'm afraid of him living. I'm afraid of him dying because he's, because he's been my family for 12 years. He's been my partner in all of my favorite adventures he's been my partner. And, you know, I put my life in his hands every time I sat on his back and that's a lot. And so I just was like, God, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of all of it. And God said, have faith. So I moved forward in faith and I said, I'm just going to stop being afraid of everything, whatever the answer is, I'm just going to trust God. And so that was, um, probably two months ago now. And so on the day I got the test results back from my second opinion vet that were not helpful, um, I went into the basement and I cannot repeat this conversation without sobbing. So fair warning. Uh, but I went into the basement and I just prayed over it and I say, God, what the heck? Um, you know, with Gideon, I, well, let's say we'll go back to, I had a horse named Tippo who I had to put down, but with her, I didn't feel like even had a choice. I mean, it was just, she was colicking. And if I didn't put her down her stomach, whatever inside of her was going to rupture. Cause it was just swelling faster than the vet. The vet had never seen anything like it. And so I didn't really have a choice there. And then with Gideon, um, I just heard so clearly God say, give him to me. I heard it. And, and I knew then that like God's, it was God's will and his hand was on it. And so it was so not that it's easy, but it was easy to make the decision in the sense that like God said, do it. And I, yes. Okay. Like, cause I was like, I don't know. And God said, give him to me. So then with Silas, here I am just like, what am I supposed to do? Cause it's again, this roller coaster, he gets better and then he gets sick and then he gets better and then he gets sick. And I was like, what if one day he doesn't get sick anymore? What if 
what if he just needs one little thing and it'll fix all of this? And, but we couldn't figure out what the little thing was. I kept buying little things and giving him little things and they weren't working. And so I went to the basement and I just cried and I said, God, like what in the world? Like you spoke to me about Gideon, you made it so clear. And I don't feel like I'm hearing anything here other than have faith. And I am trying to have faith. I think I am having faith, but like, give me an answer. What am I supposed to do here? And I really felt like God said, just, did I not give you dominion over all animals? (laughs) And side note, one of my kids asked me, how do I know if God's talking to me? And I have to say, sometimes I feel crazy even saying like God said, because it's not like this booming voice that like can get picked up on a voice recorder. Right. But to me, like when I am thinking, did God say that? It's usually because it's something that like, I can't come up with that on my own. I am not coming up with this. This is not an idea that sits around in my mind normally. And so anyway, I said, God, what the heck am I supposed to do? And he said, did I not give you dominion over all animals? And I said, well, yeah. And then I just got just like flushed with this vision of like eating meat and animals everywhere, animals being slaughtered for food and, and pets and all of them. And just this, like, do I not love all of them? And do you not love all of them? And I was like, cause I love all the animals. I'm, I, even though I eat meat, like I I'm grateful for their sacrifice. And, and I, it doesn't mean that I hate any animal, you know, like it's animals are dying every day and they are still so loved. And so I was like, okay. And I just felt like through saying that it was God saying like, it's okay to kill an animal. It's okay. Like I gave you dominion over animals and it's not, you're not being malicious or hurting them. Like you are doing it in love. And I was like, okay, I hear you, but here's the thing. Like this horse is a gift from you. And I can't kill a gift from you. And God said, Sarah, it's all a gift. And it was like for a second, for just like a split second, I could just see my whole life and the gift in every single thing. And I just, y'all, I felt so loved. And I have a hard time repeating that without sobbing. That's the best I've ever done repeating it, actually. Um, Just to be so loved, y'all. Like God is so good. And just because things are hard doesn't mean we aren't loved. And, and so anyway, that conversation gave me permission to let Silas go. Even if, even if there is just one thing that could be fixed, one thing that could be changed to heal him. It gave me permission to step off the roller coaster and I will say, looking at his blood work, I don't think there's just one thing. And I had three vets look at his blood work, look at him, agree with me that this is the right decision. So it wasn't just a step off the roller coaster. Um, It was, I believe, the best thing for him. Um, But it was a really hard decision. And yesterday was really hard because 
I got there and he was having one of his great days where he felt good and he moved like he was well and his ears were forward and his eyes were bright. And even though I could count every rib and I could see his spine all the way to his tailbone, he looked so alive and happy. And so that was really hard. But I do think it's a gift to him to let him go on a day when he feels good and is happy instead of on a day when he's hurting. So that's it. But I wanted to share a few of the lessons that I learned from Silas. <laughs> this may be my next book. <laughs> um, because that's what I really want to focus on. Is the thing with Silas, is like I said, nothing really went like I hoped it would. But I don't know if you've noticed this, but a lot of times if you're open to the lessons, I think I'm glad nothing went like I hoped it would because I learned so much that I would never learn if, if I had gotten to go to these big shows and do all the things that I dreamed of and jump the big jumps and I wouldn't know half the stuff or understand half the things that I learned because things didn't go like I wanted. And so one of the things um, that I learned is to let go of my dreams, but in the best way. And y'all know I'm not not a quitter. I'm very competitive. (laughs) I'm very self-competitive. I have a lot of drive and I want to do big things. But he taught me to appreciate what was in front of me. There were days that his back hurt so much that I couldn't even ride him. And, and I finally learned to appreciate just the opportunity to be at a barn and smell horse hair and to smush my face in his neck and smell that like horse smell and to feel, feel the the softness on my face. Like he taught me that sometimes that's just going to have to be enough. And it is enough. And it's a gift. Like even that without even, cause on the days that his back really hurt, I couldn't even really brush him cause it hurt his back, but just smushing my face into his neck was that in itself was a gift. I didn't have to go jump big jumps or win a show. I, I didn't have to like gallop across the field it was just a gift to get to smush my face into his neck. And so that was a really valuable lesson. It was just teaching me to appreciate where I am in life. And, you know, even if it's not where I thought I would be, and this carries into everything, right? Like I'm sitting in a tiny townhouse. Like I dreamed, I I really thought at this point in my life, I would have a farm and my horses would live in my backyard. I never dreamed that I would live in a townhouse and my yard would be a 10 by 10 yard, 
but Silas taught me to appreciate where I'm at. And I, because of that, I've learned to just, I, to love where I'm at. And I, I love my townhouse. And instead of thinking of all the things I don't have, I've learned to focus on what I do have. And I love, you know, like the gift of the townhouse is I have the most amazing neighbors. I love my neighborhood and my neighbors. Like, I don't want a big single family house until it's on a farm. Like, I don't want to move up into like a step up house where I have like kind of a yard and I have space between my wall and the next person's wall. I don't even want that. I want, I love where I'm at. And I've just learned to just, Silas taught me that, or God taught me that through Silas. Um, Another thing that I learned is to go for it when I have the chance. I still remember my last horse show with Silas because he had started to feel good and and the show was like that weekend and I wasn't ready and I hadn't taken lessons and none of us were ready and it was going to be a pain to like make it happen. And I just remember saying, well, this is my chance. He feels good right now and I'm going to do it. And, and I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad that I took that chance. And that's kind of what I learned. It's just like with the Fox Hunt trail ride, like I learned to just, you know what, even though it's inconvenient and I am not prepared, I'm just going to like put my heels down and hold on and we're going to do this. And so he taught me to, to go for it when I can, because we can't always between finances and, you know, I have kids and they come first, they come before horses and, you know, taking care of kids and family and their activities and, um, and the horse's health stuff, the horse is not always going to be healthy. And so just all of that, he taught me to just go for it when I have the chance. Another lesson that I think has helped so much in my horsemanship is he taught me to listen. I learned, so this is, I will say, it was just a very fine line here, but Silas could really misbehave. And I started to realize it took me a while. So most kind of the the general perspective on horse misbehavior is they are not allowed to do it and they need to be punished. So it doesn't get worse. And cause literally if you don't put an end to misbehavior, it can get dangerous and someone could die. I mean, this is not like, Oh, he's being naughty, you know, like it can get really dangerous. And so you've got to like put an end to the misbehavior. And that's just the general consensus in the horse community. And So when he would misbehave, I was like, you know, I would get on to him or whatever. And then one day it just like, I started to get this niggling in the back of my mind. Like, what if he's doing this because he doesn't feel good? And I started to realize that a lot of the time Silas misbehaved, it correlated to a couple rides later where I could not even get him to like move faster than a walk. Like he was just hurting. And so I started to realize oftentimes his misbehavior was because he didn't feel good. And I, that the thing is, is because he could be naughty is trying to figure out, you know, there is a fine line between misbehaving because he's naughty and misbehaving because he doesn't feel good. And he's communicating with me. And even like two days ago, I was trying to brush him. And I mean, I was just barely touching him and he (laughs) kicked at me. Um, and you know, that's the thing is, he was just trying to say, ow, mom, that hurts. It doesn't feel good. And if you know what, if he really wanted to kick me, he would have, that's the thing. 
you know, these horses, like he would bite at me if I, when his back was hurting and I put the saddle on, he would bite at me. And, you know, at first I get so offended and so mad and how dare he. And then I realized he didn't always do it. He only did it on the days his back was sore. And so I learned to listen. And so now I try to make a point to listen to horses and not just think, oh, what a naughty horse when they do something. Because, you know, someone tried to argue with me about it. Yeah, he's allowed to communicate, but he's not allowed to bite at you. And I'm like, well, if he wanted to bite me, he would have. Believe me, I'm close enough. He could have gotten me. This is his only, like, how else is he supposed to tell me? It Like, stick his lip in the air. You know, if he does anything cute, we're just going to be like, oh, how sweet Silas is rubbing his head against me or Silas is laughing or, you know, like the only way he knows to communicate where I'm actually going to listen is to be a little bit rude. And so sometimes I think too, when my kids are acting rotten, I'm like, okay, are they being rotten for rotten sake? (laughs) Or is there something going on? And this is the only way they know how to communicate. And it's given me a lot more grace I will say sometimes might make me a pushover (laughs) because sometimes they're just being rotten and I'm like, oh, they're just tired, you know, but, um, that was a gift learning to listen. And, and I really think a lot of horses in my life are going to benefit because Silas stubbornly taught me that. And thankfully I listened. Um, he, he taught me the beauty of the sunrise. So when I moved him to Vienna, For the first time in over a decade, I was taking care of my own horse. And in order to get chores done before Joey left for work, I was seeing a lot of sunrises. And for like years, years in Mary Kay, they talk about the five o'clock club. And for years, I've talked about being in the five o'clock club. I've dreamed about being in the five o'clock club, but I never joined the five o'clock club until I had a horse to take care of before my husband left for work. And I love it. Okay. I'm probably more of the six o'clock club now, not actually five o'clock, but still, you know, I went from waking up at seven 50 because my kids have to be up by eight. If we want to get to the school bus on time to getting up at six so that I can get stuff done, even when I'm not going to the barn. And so that has been a real gift. And that was another gift of, um, I, I have so many pictures of my phone in my phone of horses in the sunrise. And yesterday when I went out to catch him, I wanted to spend as much time as possible before the vet got there. And she was getting there at nine. And I was like, well, there's no point of getting there in the dark. So I was like, I'm going to try to get there at seven and not even initially thinking about sunrise. But as I was driving out, I saw the sun starting to come up and I was like, oh, I really want to be at the barn for sunrise. And when I pulled up, it was like the day was getting brighter, but the moon was still shining. And when I, and I went out to the field and when I got there, y'all, the sky was insane. It was insane. It was just, there was like pinks and oranges and it was one of the most stunning sunrises I have ever seen in my life maybe the most stunning sunrise. I just felt like it was a gift from God to us. Okay. 
So let me review my notes. Let's see if there's anything else. That's all I have written down. Um, and one last note. <laughs> okay, this one was not written down though. When I got home yesterday, uh, some of my friends had sent me flowers and I'm not a big flower person, but one of my love languages is gifts. And there was a part of my brain that was saying, you know, you're making such a big deal about this. He's just a horse. Like that's what half of my brain was trying to say to me. And the other part of me was obviously really sad. And I opened up this note that came in the flowers from some of my friends and they just said they knew what an important part of my life Silas was. And they wanted me to know that I'm loved and that he, they wanted me to know that they saw how much I loved him and that I am loved like that. Oh, guys. And it was really eye-opening because I thought, when have I ever sent someone flowers because they lost an animal? It was the best gift. I think I cried just as much because of their love and all the messages that came in yesterday. Like, please don't feel bad for not sending me flowers. <laughs> please. Um, all the messages, just the amount of love that was shown. I'm so grateful for it. Because there is a part of me that wanted to say, you're really making a big deal about a horse. And y'all gave me permission to make a big deal about something that is a big deal. He's really important to me. He's been really important to my family. And so thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate the freedom to grieve. And uh, my neighbors brought me margaritas. It was amazing. Um, there's just so much. And I just, I hope that I can pass that on. And I want to encourage anyone who's listening. Uh, it meant a lot to me. And so going through life, I now am going to try to be on the lookout of, to just love people and give them permission to grieve over things that maybe part of our mind might say, it's just a dog or it's just a cat or it's just a horse. Cause it's not, they're our family. And I still remember even like when my grandparents passed away, you know, part of me is like, this is, is this not the circle of life? Like they're older than us. Like this is how it works, but your heart doesn't feel that your heart feels broken because someone you love is gone. And, um, anyway, I think it's just beautiful to like give people permission to grieve. So anyway, that's it. I feel really blessed right now. I wasn't sure how day two would go. Uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to be broken or what, but I just today feel really blessed by friends and family. And I feel like I can see God's hand in all of it. And I'm just really grateful. So there you go. We love you, Silas. Now I, I wonder if he's galloping <laughs> As I left the barn yesterday, I was like, is he galloping behind my car? <laughs> um, anyway, I don't, I don't know how it works, but 
Uh, I'm just gonna, I gotta stop talking about it. So that was a ding of a friend checking on me. Thank you. Um, so next episode, I will be continuing to read Finding Gideon. I am going to have a Kickstarter soon because the expenses of producing a book are high. And I, especially after Silas, I actually had a cover designer lined up. And then as this all started to happen, because I really wanted to have a cover done for the Kickstarter, because, you know, asking you to like help me pay for a book, you should have a cover to look at. Um, But with Silas being sick, I was like spending all my money and not working as much because I was spending every day trying to get him to eat. And running all over creation, buying him food and hay and stuff. So uh, it's just been special. It's been special. <laughs> um, but I'm really excited. And the book is coming together. I'm on the last chapter of this, I think, last big round of edits. And I'm talking to a developmental editor. And I have my copy editor lined up. And it just it costs a lot to produce a really well done book, which is what I want to bring to y'all is a well done book. So be on the lookout for the Kickstarter. Um, I'm still working to see if I can get a cover designed before then, but I may not. Everything just costs a lot of money and the Kickstarter helps to pay for it. So anyway, thank y'all so much for being a part of this journey and thank you for praying for me and for loving me. And if I can pray for you in any way, let me know. And if there's a way that I can show love, let me know. Cause that is, I feel like in times when people are pouring their love out to me, that's when I start to realize, I wonder if I get so caught up in my own mess that I'm not loving other people enough. And that's a gift that we can give people that's so easy and free. So anyway, all right, y'all have a great day. Have grace for yourself grace for others, grace for your journey. And I'll catch you on the next episode where we will read the next chapter of Finding Gideon. If you were behind on Finding Gideon, now is your chance to go back and listen to the first three chapters. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Very much.